everyone. Thanks for tuning in to Power Athlete Radio featuring The Crew, where a former pro football player, a D3 all-star, and a guy who peaked in high school use strength and conditioning as an excuse to talk about everything but. Now here's John, Luke, and Tex. Drive on. Kick the wheels right before the hammer strikes to make sure the levels fall from low. I got them girls shining oh so bright. Fire it up. Good afternoon, Tex. Oh, man, we're recording this later than usual. Good afternoon, Luke. John, how are you? How do you do? I do well, thank you. Mm. We all do well. That's we, what we do, do. Yeah, we don't just do good. We do well. That's right. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for another episode of The Crew on Power Athlete Radio, which is for the uninitiated I was going to go indoctrinated. Well, do we indoctrinate people when they come in? I'm not sure. I mean, what we do with the block ones. That's fact. What's an indoctrination versus initiation? uh, I think to indoctrinate is somebody when you present your doctrine and they're bought in on, Mm -hmm. you know, really just more than just the the verbal. You've engaged them in such a way that you've indoctrinated them into your your, uh, community and your mindset. So it's like a gang when you beat someone up. Simply put, teaching instruction or the process of teaching a person or group to accept a set of beliefs uncritically you will believe this uncritically ladies God. and gentlemen the premier podcast on strength and conditioning Ing. i will not be indoctrinated into this uh um, <laughs> you already have been no i haven't i will fight against indoctrination i indoctrinate you <laughs> uh, what was the other one initiation uh, dude if you guys come to in ini- if you guys come in with uh t-shirts with che Guevara on them we're having problems okay but what if it's... What about hacky sex? <laughs> man. <Yeah>. Man. <laughs> yeah, man. Man. Oh, I know that guy. He's a nihilist. Yeah. Um, uh, press stone. He wears t-shirts. <laughs> and he has hair. What does the Google internet say about initiation? Uh, it includes a blindfold. Mm. And a paddle. So technically, as long as everybody puts a blindfold on now <laughs> well, te- and listens to this, then they're initiated. Are podcast downloads that are listening only because they can't see they're initiated because they are basically watching on youtube Ah, are indoctrinated before this goes down yeah before this goes to the road of ridiculousness how has it not already (laughs) (laughs) how about we indoctrinate our listeners with a question so that we can break off a little bit of knowledge but where are we going to find a question to answer? i heard that there's a hotline that's extra hot that power athlete radio has that's right that people come in and they leave questions I like to refer to it as the the modern 2020 oral Adelphi, uh, Oracle Adelphi. Yes, where people show up, they want to know what uh, you know what the minds think, what the spirits are going to tell them, and they leave that question much like a offering hmm. at the Oracle Delphi. Is that a search engine? Uh, that was in actually in Greek. Yeah, um, three hundred. So in the movie, yeah, there was a oracle at Delphi, and what would they would happen is people would come and they would ask for advice or hey, like I have this issue or I need you to answer, and mm. the priest would take some money, and yeah, then they would a bunch of gold coins, and then right? they would take these chicks that were um, like proxies. Yeah, and there was uh, the reason that it was was there was some form of like cavern, and these gases would come up and uh, make them have visions and other crazy stuff, and then they would whisper the secrets to the priest who would come out and tell you. 
And so that was like you'd go to the Oracle of Delphi, and that's would help you connect to the gods I and mean, give information. You know the scene in 300, right? Like he climbs the mountains, yeah, gets the uh, creature to that like wasn't get in, that hot babe to do her thing. Same deal, but that wasn't in Delphi. That was in Sparta, mm-hmm. uh, which Delphi, I believe, was in, not in Sparta. If yeah. I was into tech, I would name my search engine that, but it's just me. And you're not into tech, number one. Number two is... John. Oracle's already been taken and yeah. Delphi has already been taken too, so... No, but not them <laughs> together. Yeah, they frown upon that stuff. Well, ladies and gentlemen, it just so happens that you can reach the Oracle at 929-464-4640. I get it mixed up because of uh, well, we the 949 area. Yeah. Uh, can uh, I read a wonderful no, iTunes review? Absolutely not. Not at this moment, text. There's the second part of the number, which is like... Well, the, the best iTunes part. review got it 99 wrong. 99-ing-ing. Zero. That's right. Okay, Ken. Now right, you are clear. Yeah. Tee it up. Let's give this iTunes For our loyal review. listeners out there, if you may or may not be aware, we host this podcast on Spotify, on iTunes, on Stitcher, on Player FM, on Google Podcasts, everywhere. And if you really look to the distance, you can probably see smoke signals. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. We do put this every word of this podcast up in the air in Morse code smoke signals. But if you are a loyal listener and you find that you have been indoctrinated and benefited from the information that we share with you today that the best place to let us know isn't necessarily on social media although it's a review it's leave us a review like this one great choice of words because this reviewer was actually indoctrinated (laughs) this is from rich no cramps if Mm. you recall our episode on cramps Mm -hmm. he's very grateful and left us this review simply the best Mm. is the title Listen to this podcast if you want to learn, laugh, be entertained, or just spend time hanging out with a great group of people. Come for the face melting amounts of knowledge and expertise about strength and conditioning, health, nutrition, and training. Examples of this include episodes 384 and 408. Stay for pure entertainment, like episode 390 or any crew episode. And Incredible guests with an amazing array of topics. Mm-hmm. Really too many lists, but check out the recent episode 321, 326, 334, 337, 365, 377, 380. One, All, two, <laughs> three. All of this is seasoned with the best banter around and doses of movie references. They also provide the best workout programming you can find anywhere preach whatever you're training for amen and it doesn't stop there if you call and i have to correct the number because he got it wrong <laughs> so some poor assholes get these voicemails. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i don't know what area code 969 is but 929-464-4640 you can leave a message and the crew will answer your question on a podcast give them a listen Hey, snaps to that. Am I yeah, right? Yeah, he's good. It's nice. I, to that. No What's cramps. nice about that review is... It, I'm not buying into your snaps thing after going to uh, BirthFit. No, Remember I brought, when we, when we I went, snaps to BirthFit. No, so when we went to that BirthFit uh, oh, symposium God. deal, instead of clapping, they were all snapping. Oh, and I was like... I was like, this is weird. Uh, I, I they remember, also hissed 
when I accidentally cut the line in the bathroom, who knew the men's room was also like doubling down as... Well, you never know what somebody's plumbing is in that event. Yeah, I mean, dude. I messed it up when I referred to that dude who oh, or wasn't yeah. really a dude. But You're up next, bro. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a chick. Um, um, yeah. the, I got a big JJ. I, I brought the snaps to the certs once. We're, like, did we ever work ones? Right? I like, feel... That was one of my gimmicks. <sighs> Like I if it was just like a, I'm a so dull glad I group, wasn't there. Like a dull group of real uh, what snicker eaters. Yeah, no, <laughs> snicker eaters did not get the snaps. <laughs> you selfish sons of bitches, just bathing on Black Sand Beach in New Zealand while you were over there with the Snickers eater in, um, in Nevada. <laughs> Henderson, Nevada, just long enough, like far enough the way you can barely see the strip. Yeah. And like way too far to go for like an In and Out. Oh God! Not In and Out Burger, although that would have been nice. God damn! With old uh, Levi, I I'll tell you this: like Levi, I, and after the after day one, John, he just left. No, we went. I went. I wish, but we went. <laughs> we went to like the local Fridays and got martinis. Like me and Levi drinking dirty martinis because we were so fired up from the Snickers girl. I had a TJI Fridays. That might in, uh, I in would, Nevada. I would say that might be the low point in your life, but I know you, and I know you've had lower points in this. Oh yes, much lower. But I would say on the cert, like in that lane of life, I think that is one of and, the lower points. And Tex and I went to a restaurant yeah. that served black mussels that they had caught like 50 feet away in the yeah. ocean. No, that did not help. Believe me. <laughs> yeah, I'm oh, like... And they had coloring books. And they had coloring books, mm -hmm. which, you know, I'm a sucker for coloring books. How do we get here? How do we get on this? Well, let's jump into this question. That's a great question. So let's we, scrub the voicemail. This question is actually... We used to answer it a lot at, at the, the seminar. seminar. Oh, we snaps. Did. Very true. Snaps, Boom. that's what we're talking about. Okay. Let's see. What was the number? Let's just randomly pick a question to answer here. Three, five, four, nine. Here we go. What's up, Power Athlete Radio? Uh, got a question about one rep maxes. All right. So is there a, some sort of science behind people able to tap into, like, their ultimate strength to achieve a one rep max? I was wondering just because I seem like I'm able to hit one reps easier than, say, my girl, but she's able to hit three, four, five rep maxes all the time. Just wondering if there's anything to it, if it's a mindset thing or, you know, anything like that. Thanks, guys. Take it easy. Thank you. Uh, didn't leave a Caller. Name. Thank you, caller. Caller. Yeah. Um, so ultimate strength, I don't think, is, is the a, proper nomenclature. Yeah, I wrote it down because I've never heard of it as ultimate strength. But like, had, it's not misguided. No, right? but it's, we would use maximal strength. Right. At maximal maximorium, I believe, is the term. You're correct. From science and practice. Yes. Yeah. And that is that is maximal maximorium of absolute strength. Yes. So uh, there's your first little nugget caller. Yeah. So next time you don't sound like a dingus. But we love you anyways. Yeah, we're happy. Leave a good review. Yeah, yeah. Leave us uh, a review. One Let's rep, answer this. One rep maxes are really interesting in that, one, they require you to practice. Um, there's a reason well, that... Well, can we go before that too, John? Like, there's an allure about them as well, right? Well, it, like, it, it, it's the idea of like, hey, what can you hit for one big one? I mean, powerlifting, um, you know, Olympics. I mean, everything that looks like weightlifting involves usually a one rep max outside of, you know, world's strongest man, which a lot of times does some one rep maxes. Sure. So there's always been this kind of finite end range, uh, heaviest weight for one big rep is kind of a marker for stuff. And the problem, I think, for most people is... 
they don't one they don't practice the one RMs because they take a high level of skill and they require an extremely adapted nervous system that's that's wired up to do it. Well, here's the thing: like, let's get some nuance, right? You could do a one RM, yeah, but is it a one RM? Well, uh, we ran into this all the right. time, and so, he, he so references like, his girl, right. which uh, she handles rep maxes better. And what we found through our own research over the last you know ten plus years, and and not only the CrossFit football power athlete in the seminar, and even at CrossFit Balboa, is that women could handle a higher percentage of their one RM for more reps. Right. Uh, we tested this when we did the Hatfield muscle fiber test, where we had them squat a one RM, cut it to eighty percent, and did max reps. Right. And all of a sudden, you know, if you get under six or seven, you're fast twitch. If you get over seven and, you know, we got girls getting in the 20s. Mm-hmm. So um, what that really kind of made an interesting piece for me. And then obviously uh, hanging out with Louis Simmons, we really got into Prilipin's chart, Prilipin's mm-hmm. table, uh, where, you know, they show like, hey, if you're going to train at 90%, there's like the max volume, which would be 10. And right. then there's like optimal, which I think is like four reps. Right, right. Um, so... I asked Louie about that and I was like, you know, why is it that uh, if the range is four to seven on the optimal for the 10 reps, like what constitutes a four and what constitutes a seven? And he made an interesting point. He said the more, uh, the more adapted and the better, more efficient nervous system needs less volume to get the same amount. So like if somebody's nervous right. system is extremely heightened, four reps. If it's a less heightened nervous system, they would need seven reps mm-hmm. because you're able to do more with less. That's why volume was so important for those guys. Um, there were some key factors for central uh, central nervous system efficiency in the lifts came from time under the bar, like how long you've been doing it, and what your androgen profile looked like. The higher the testosterone, the more efficient the nervous system. Mm-hmm. And I think what's interesting here too is like for a novice lifter, and let's say within a year, with, like could you do you think a year for uh, one of us? No. So um, I think. A mistake I made, and I think the mistake that a lot of beginners make is they want to get to one RMs too soon. Right. So, like that first year, though, let's say. Yeah. Like I, I mean, do you think it's still even uh, maybe beyond that? It, it, and I get, it really depends. Like it, true. You, you know, like uh, we've had people on the linear progression for three years, and they don't squat five thousand sure. pounds. And I think the the like what I'm trying to maybe visualize or help lay out and objectively is like, okay, let's say you have a one rep max on a back squat of two hundred twenty five pounds. Right? Like that's what you think your 1RM is. But maybe you can do 235 for one, and maybe you can do 210, but only for one. So, like, there's this interesting gap of 25 pounds that you can only do for one. That would be an indicator that you're relatively untrained, right? Um, maybe. Um, what Whereas, I would, if, like, if, a trained athlete, like it has a much more narrow uh, like, yeah, margin like, yeah, for, the margin for hitting a single with it. And I should also say not competition either. Sure. Like a training max. Well, they, the, the thing which is also really interesting is you can almost, and we saw this all the time at the seminar, I could tell based upon uh, how the reps looked over the course of three reps how how beginner or advanced somebody was. Right. If I ask you to squat a heavy 3RM and the first rep looks really good and then I see deterioration in two and three, I realize that that individual is pretty well adapted and probably on this side of the, of the, of the house. What I found too with beginners and people that were not as uh, proficient, the first rep, uh, second rep, mm, and then the third one was Dying. actually looked pretty good. So based upon the quality of movement, whether it's front or back, really allowed us to kind of uh, understand where you were mm-hmm. as a trained individual. 
and you'll even like I think people would notice that after like let's say even experienced lifters after you go on vacation or something yeah. right and you come in you're squatting heavy for the first time you're like holy shit this fu-, like four and five felt really good but yeah. one two three were a little shaky whereas like if you have that regular exposure and you're you're switched on movement styled in nervous systems pumping you're recovering and you're training you're going to see like the inverse right and sure. it's just as maybe potentially as people are listening but Tex what do you got on your notes here uh, plenty. Just aiming to build. I want to focus on the a key term that is very popular in strength and conditioning: training age. And our experience, all as high school athletes, mm-hmm. was the one RM within the weight room. Sure. And that is a huge fault from the coaches. And we know that because John mentioned the androgen profile. These high school boys are testosterone's up, down, and around all over the place. So if they are executing a one RM it's the most weight they can lift at that moment in time on that day mm-hmm. and then the fallacy is then one fallacy is doing the one RM two is then building a strength program, program around it right around yeah. that and based off percentages you are potentially stifling that kid's potential based off of giving them that percentage-based program right versus a, a linear progression at that time and age the second and I want to get into is the the technique. So not only your central nervous system alone, and John said you need reps, there is a technique, like you have to have it dialed in that allows the expression of that central nervous system. And these kids within the high school, their warm-up set looks different from set yeah. two with a lightweight. Feet which look different all the time. Different yeah. from a medium weight and so on <clears throat> and so forth. And an observation that... Uh, John's expressed when he went to visit Kaz and the Baylor Bears is he could tell these novice, even though these these kids were amazing college football player athletes, he could tell the ones that were novice lifters versus the ones that were more experienced just right. by the almost like they're they're patterning, they're they're getting in the zone as they yeah. grab the to bar. Get under the bar. Place their feet, place it and knock it out versus a different almost uh, I'm gonna reference baseball players, right? You get an MLB you got your setting of your gloves, your pattern. Basketball players have their, all right, I'm going to bounce it one, two, three, and then set up and shoot. Same with the barbell and the back squat, bench yeah. press, all of it. No, you can see somebody, like, when they go take the weight out, like, everything they do, they put, you know, everything becomes very automatic. And when I see <clears throat> what should be advanced lifters, but guys that are in college, like, get underneath the bar, don't get feet underneath them, try to lunge it out, and then take, like, five steps to the back of the rack. I'm like, you don't do this very much. Because if you squatted heavy weight, you would know you got to bilaterally stand up with it. And then you take just a, a big enough step backwards to where when I get to the top, I can like pretty much l- like lunge this thing in if I have to. Obviously, you never want to do it because it's a bad um, uh, habit to get in. But like it's really interesting to see how somebody arranges themselves and how they move within underweight and like the setup and, you know, to the point where like people are superstitious, like rotate the plates this way. I mean, that like when I the more I see that and then especially when you see somebody like when they come out, like you'll see people kind of like move their foot and like as long as it always looks the same, your warm up looks the same. I know that you have a high level of proficiency when it everything is different. We know that, you know, you're relatively new to this and there's nothing wrong with that. But the only way that you're going to master a 1RM is by actually taking some 1RMs. But the problem is, is that 1RMs are not the best, most efficient way to build strength. They're a great strength tester. But like if you follow some of the power athlete programs, you'll see that um, templates I use in in Hammer and um, 
uh, Johnny Wad and uh, some of the others and, and Jack Street and Field Strong are really based off of this power athlete template that uses fives, triples, and singles for rep maxes and then takes that percentage for the cat work. When we and you know, so it ends up being sixty-six percent of the of the reps are in that threes and fives, and we have one, you know, a third of the reps, which obviously is somewhere around five. I mean, if you think about like arrangement, not necessarily in volume, it's much lower. It's almost 90-10. But we have to really look at like what builds our strength, but you still have to train one RMs because of the central nervous system efficiency and you have to get used to it. So I like to train those and then I like to do singles with the cat work so that people can actually get some volume at a lighter weight working on compensatory acceleration, being able to move. So it's pretty interesting, like, <coughs> sorry. <coughs> sorry, guys. Um, I got something in my throat. Um, I observed a long time ago that I thought Olympic weightlifting wasn't the best way to get strong. I thought it was a great displayer of strength, but in terms of like getting strong, I think that a lot of the accessory movements, the back squat, and a lot of things that the lifters are using are helpful to getting them to that position. And I think a lot of times when you start looking at like just doing max singles all the time, a lot of that comes down to a lot of technique work, understanding the groove, but not necessarily the best way to, to continue to drive your strength. And testing a few times within the year and taking your shots. So determining when you're going to test. So if I'm a, a Globo gym bro, I'm not going in every time to build one RMs to get strong. So it's being on that consistent program. And then where John mentioned percentages, those are based off fives, threes, and ones within a week or so that then you back fill to get the volume and the opportunity to move fast with the cat. Where I mentioned earlier, high school student using percentages, and that's a fallacy of using that program. These are almost two different age groups. Right. And why experience level percentage can be a great tool for a more trained athlete, like the the people following Hammer, and then the people on Bedrock, we're not going to ever test once. What I always liked about Jim Wendler's 531 program was the fact like, hey, I'm going to set these percentages, we're going to kind of make them low, and we're going to work up to some final max rep set, like, hey, you're 85 plus, you're going to put this weight on the bar, and you're going to squat it for max reps. And, uh, you know, that fits within the progressive overload model, where, you know, you're using percentages, but by doing a max rep set, uh, you can, you know, potentially overreach, which is what you kind of want to do. But then also once you hit a certain rep, like I remember seeing people like, oh, I, on my final set of uh, five, three, one, I was able to get 18 reps. And I'm like, well, dude, the yeah. weight's not heavy enough. Yeah. And then the, where people really messed up is that they were not necessarily, you know, periodizing the weights up like they weren't handling. And Jim's deal was like, you'll eventually get there. Um, that's what I liked about the linear progression and some of the rep maxes was I need you to lift the five heaviest reps you did today. Right. Um, I know what you hit last week. If you can hit a PR, let's hit a PR. But be realistic. I'm, uh, you know, I would say for an advanced athlete, if you can hit three to four PRs, which would be really just like one, maybe one PR every training cycle, like whether it be a squat here, like I'm totally happy as long as you're PRing. Like I got an email the other day or yesterday from a guy who was like, I haven't PR'd my deadlift in over four years. I've been uh, on hammer for this is the second cycle, and I'm I've been PRing all my lifts. So his thing was like, why? And I'm like, well, I mean, you know, how we're arranging the volume, the aerobic, you know, all the other key factors. But at the end of the day, maybe the training is working in such a way that it's allowing you to handle this volume, whereas what you're doing before was crushing you. So mm -hmm. 
I think there's a skill acquisition in terms of lifting one R uh, one RM. Well, yeah, and it's not only like physiological, John. It's like psychological sure. too. I I have to build off that. We last one of the last episodes we talked about the metabolic conditioning, metabolic circuit, and I I dug into some Boyd Epley writing back, and I found a term that I I've already fallen in love with here, the psychological overtraining. Mm, all right. So the freshman that he had, and this was a discovery period of 15 years, and I got to blog out with a little bit about the history of Boyd's finding. Over 15 years, he was trying to find the appropriate rest and so on and so forth, and he didn't allow his freshman athletes to participate in the Nebraska circuit. The reason being that he wanted to dial in their lifting technique before taking on the metabolic circuit. And he also... The intensity of the circuit, I guess with all the rowdiness and the football players in there, it was it resulted in psychological overtraining. The psych required to withstand the pain that's incurred during the circuit. Young this is now a direct quote, younger lifters take notice more of more advanced lifters doing the circuit and may want to do it themselves. By making them wait one to two years ensures a greater effort when the time comes to do the circuit. The circuit works best when an extreme effort is used. The effort must be tempered with patience. So if we reference back to the high schoolers right. mentioned earlier, all right, maybe your seniors, if if you have your kids working through a true strength and conditioning program at that level, can hit their ones. Awesome. Let your freshmen see that in the intensity in 10 cities, but we're not going to allow them to do the 1RMs. They're going to go through their full bedrock resets and then the next year again when they're sophomores and grow six inches and they're a completely different human being guess we're going to do again bedrock again right because they're a different person and they need to coordinate and dial in the structure and the neurological efficiency proficiency with their new body right and new muscle that they start to gain so so for listeners for go to episode 412 if you haven't already yeah. and that's the that's what texas talking about the metabolic, AAPC, circuit, yeah. metabolic circuit boyd upley yeah um the uh I, I do like that the psychological i mean i, I we always called it psychological overreaching yeah. like the idea that like um, you know the anticipation or like the mental stress you put yourself in in anticipation of doing this can sometimes be extremely, you know, just debilitating for people. Whereas if you've been through it before and you've been in high stress situations, you can almost get into a, you know, I mean, like, I, I think what's what's pretty interesting, and I've seen this many times, is all of a sudden you watch somebody train, they're pretty consistent, all of a sudden they get up to one RM, and next thing you know, they're like howling at the moon, want to like, you know, do some like funky thing. Like I watched Nate do this. He's like, uh, you know, all of a sudden I'm like, hey man, like. Do, every, do everything like you do everything. Like, don't change anything just because the weight gets heavier. Like, still take the same approach, same mental, you know, like, uh, you know, the age-old, you know, uh, uh, Fred Hatfield, you know, lift 500 like it's 135 and 135 like it's 500. Like, approach it in that same mindset. And, uh, you know, but, like, we saw people do this on game day. All of a sudden, they want to put on a special belt and do this. I'm like, no, 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 dude. You go in the exact same way and just, you know, like, the other one um, the Bulgarians talked a lot about uh, was that idea of um, uh, like low heart rate that they found that an elevated heart rate would could you know from yeah, competition right? yeah oh, overexcited I think could have been it um, they it's said that it that, was good for like eight to ten percent but the problem is is if they tapped into that in training 
then they yeah. didn't have the fact, like if they were in there, you know, popping, uh, you know, I don't know, uh, uh, ephedrine and, you know, like getting all juiced up and like going into that, like, you know, you see these dudes taking pre-workout all the time. If you train in that, when all of a sudden you need it in competition, you don't have that extra gear. So the idea is that you had to train in this relatively calm state so that when you went to competition and got into an excited state, you could expect that gain. Right. So like I, I think I've thought about that for years with my own training. Like don't get too high, don't get too low, just get in there and do the work. And then when it becomes important, then you know what? Like let's, you know, turn up the music and, you know, watch the program and, you know, Plays at the table. Yeah. yeah, and then get excited and go out and smash it. So, so uh, another thing to think about. I think about, it's called excitability. Yeah. It, it is, yeah. Uh, another thing to think about, like, okay, so I want to get into eventually why even, like, okay, you're not a football player, you're not a strength coach, you're right. you're a, a John or Jane who's just banging weights in their garage. Why, why, the, why would you even do a single? But before we get there... If this single is important to you, as even as an enthusiast, you're, you know, you, you just train in your garage, but if this, like, then you understand how your training could be affecting that, right? Like, not to bash on CrossFit, but certain applications of CrossFit. If you're doing high volume, submaximal efforts through these movement patterns, you can expect that high volume, submaximal, repeated effort week after week, month after month, day after day, year after year, decade after decade, to negatively affect your ability to express a 1RM. Well, right. And that's that type 2A well, the reason muscle being, fiber conversion. We talked about the conversion say, yeah. of fast switch muscle XA. fibers to slow XA. twitch muscle yeah. fibers. Yeah, those the schizophrenic ones that'll go either way. The the conversion of those fast switch muscle fibers to slow twitch to be able to handle the load. Mm -hmm. And what do you need to affect efficient uh, effectively hit a heavy one or fast? You need a ton of those fast motor units uh, firing in unison mm -hmm. fiber type. So on that note too, like uh, I'm not gonna text. Maybe you can you can narrow this down for me. But even genetically, when we're born. The, cyst, the musculature that we use to squat, if we're talking about squat 1RM or bench 1RM, for, between all of us, we have different densities of fast twitch muscle fibers. Sure. So yes, there is like a genetic propensity and there's a physiological component to being an effective, um, like being effective at, at lifting 1RMs, right? So mm -hmm. that could be an issue for you. Uh, number two could be the training that you've been doing is... Um, is high volume, some maximal and effort, kind of like traditional, like burn me down CrossFit. Now there's sure. other, there's good, like CrossFit's fine in other uh, modalities and can be effective uh, with certain guardrails, i.e. CrossFit football. Number three could also be, let's say you're an adult now who wants to bang some serious weights, but you were the guy or gal who decided to sign up for the cross country team in junior high school. Hmm. And then you had a six, seven, eight year stint of being a cross country athlete. Well, in your formative years, you programmed yourself to be a shitty 1RM lifter. Now, that's not to say that you're base, shit out of Base luck, level of conditioning. But well, you've certainly lowered that ceiling. Like and you haven't developed the metabolic pathways that are necessary to really be in a, you know, And we, we've seen it, like people coming in and at age 30-something, they want to start lifting heavy right. weights. But I have this whole you know, LSD endurance background mm -hmm. uh, that has been a harder application than people that came from doing something explosive and dynamic 
right. maybe went away. So, I mean, it really comes down to what you do earlier in life. I mean, we've always yeah. said, you know, the training you do earliest in life sets patterns for the rest of your life. Right. Um, but and, I, and the hardware you're packing, yeah. which you talked about a little earlier with, with ladies, is like, so there is a, a specific fiber type distribution and androgen profile that and level of experience, yeah. opportunity, training age, that all kind of cross and weave into whether or not you'll be effective at singles. The, the, and the mental, right? Uh, so if you're a lady, don't expect a similar performance because you just the, the androgen profile in general. Sure. Right? Well, the, um, you know, obviously men make testosterone in two places in the adrenals and also on the testes. Women make it in one place with the adrenals. So it would just naturally be assuming that men would make more. Um, the other, like, pretty fascinating thing is this, uh, is the idea of, like, the training effect. Like, what, like... What are you doing? Like, what are you training? And like, you, you brought it up like, hey, why does this person want to go do one of these 1RMs? Where do they fit within the training paradigm? Um, you know, when we do it, it's more because I need to get people. It's just part of the strength cycle and yeah. I want people to get used to it. But I mean, even, um, you know, in the other big argument, people be like, oh, the West Side guys do majority of singles. But look how much special exercises and accessories that they're doing to build their volume. They're not necessarily building their volume and their strength as much in the testing of their kind of one rep maxes and like kind of the conjugate system, but really in the special exercise and the volume and all the accessory that they're doing is what builds that big piece. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, but they're also training in a very specific, yeah, like tip of the spear, very narrow. Like, yeah, for a sport, you know, Hey, this is our one RM it's geared and the whole deal. So, um, if you look at the really strong individuals, um, you know, very, very strong individuals that are out there in raw lifting, they do some form, like you will look at Dan Green, he's lifting, you know, fives, threes, sevens, eights. I mean, he's lifting heavy weights for a ton of reps. And, uh, you know, there's a definite programming. um, Like if you were to look at like the, like if we were to aggregate out all of the the sets and reps and percentages, it's really about 85 to 90% of the the volume really comes in those, you know, know, threes, fours, fives, six and sevens. Really ones and twos fall maybe 10, 15% at most. So, uh, but then if you look at sprinting on the other side, and this is why I, I always say sprinting, the limiting factor for sprinting isn't always strength because the way sprinting is built is a little bit different. If you follow Charlie Francis stuff, like you got to be able to run fast to get fast and training in that kind of 80% slower deal actually decreases that top one RM speed. Mm-hmm. So that's central, uh, central nervous system efficiency. I guess but if why you do it as a joke, I think learn something about yourself. Yeah, but you can, my great, um, uh, and maybe this is bias. Maybe there's there is some science to back this, but like you want to like a heavy the heaviest triple will do that to you. You know what I mean? Like taking taking a heavy load for for a ride, trying to go for three, and then ultimately failing at two, I think is just as miserable as a single. But like I feel like the single is an ego packed lift, right? With the exception of training for doing a single for your sport. But sure. if you're like a just a dude or, or chick who's who's lifting weights and does want to express like their uh, their absolute strength. A triple is just as well, you learn just as much as about yourself. Right? Well, well, like you know, what's the goal? Are you testing or are you training? Um, I, I, I like I remember, geez, years ago when I was another West Side deal. Uh, Louis and I were talking about um, deficit deadlifts, and he's like, "Hey, uh, um, 
you know, we found that, you know, if you can deficit deadlift this, then this is what your one RM, right? So they had these kind of all these equations. Yeah, like beautiful mind. And so I, I asked him, like, because I think I pulled something pretty good. It was like a, like a 545 for a set of six or seven off of like a, you know, off of the tall box of four. And I hit Louie up and I was like, I was like, man, I hit this. What do you think my one RM deadlift was? And he's like, you got to go fucking take your one RM deadlift. And I was like, but I thought you had this equation. And he's like, no. There's no fucking equation. If you can do this for this, you have to test your one arm deadlift so that next time you go do those uh, elevated deficit deadlift box, what if you get eight reps? Then you go back and test your deadlift, and if it went up, then you know that that's yeah, a. So you're building your individual correlative. Like, then that's a that's a movement matrix. that allows you to lift heavier in these base movements. So when we look at a lot of this accessory stuff and kind of the you know conjugate, and we do a little bit of variety, like hey, we're going to pull from different levels and kind of move through it. The idea is that you're developing strength in these different either uh, you know advantages or deficits, right? Right, mm-hmm. like whether it's like a rack pull versus a deficit yeah. deadlift. You know, we do it with the squat with a safety bar you know there's different ways to create uh you know an extra layer of deficit and there's also a way to create an extra layer of advantage right so that you can overload like if uh, my deadlift stuck at 500 and i do trap pulls with uh you know 600 pounds all of a sudden now my central nervous system and the hands and everything start prepping for that 600 right and those you know and that's how you kind of overreach right so and the, then yeah. the essence of like the conjugate yeah. system, and, right? and and like that idea and i think there's a little bit of modification in that but the thing where people forget is that a lot of those special exercises and those kind of builders have to be done in rep ranges that allow me to can fucking be able to push past what I thought was possible. At a point in your training life cycle where accommodation has set in yes. and you like no longer are adapting to the foundational versions of those. Yeah. And but, to, but we do a good job of avoiding accommodation. That's right. well, yes. And to the Joe where you asked you get the same mental challenge and then I'm sure the uh, bio-release benefits, testosterone, all that good stuff from a 3RM and failing at 2, that's a good thing. Uh, I would also say the 1, if the 1 or the 3 or the 5, all of those reps look the same. Going back to what we mentioned earlier, uh-huh. if you're fighting for three RM, we want rep one and rep three to look to look. Now, speed might vary, but like correct position, posture. So we're pattern. using that weight from the ones, the threes, and the fives, the true rep maxes mm-hmm. here to challenge your technique, not change it. Mm-hmm. So if I am a Joe and I put on a weight that it doesn't look like the previous one RM attempt, right. or it doesn't look like my last week's 3RM before I'm hitting yeah, my one within my, my program. Yeah. We are now ingraining a poor movement pattern because your central nervous system is going to remember that last rep mm-hmm. that it's it also found the most stressful. Way. It's yes. also the most stressful so there becomes like the most crystallized. Yeah. And that's, that's what, yeah, <sighs> different way of what I was saying. It becomes the way now that your body moves so it's finding that compensation pattern to move the most amount of stress. Mm-hmm. Which kind of like the Mandalorian, looks, this is the way. Um, I thought it was, Gina I was thinking, Carino. I was that's thinking, all, you say Mandalorian. I just I, I black out for five minutes to think about my girlfriend. But you know, I was thinking of the way you move, which is a song, isn't it? <sighs> the way of the gun. I got. I want to move it. Move. Uh, whatever. I Another. Like so going back, one thing I missed on. You know, I kind of like cascaded and summarized androgen profile experience, um, like all these factors. Another one in terms of being an effective 
at a lift is anthropometrics. Yeah. Right. So just just your body type, your fiber <clears throat> distribution, like all those things. So to answer our homie's question, the caller's question is like, uh, yeah, in terms of the individual, there is like a little bit of like some of its nature, some of its nurture, and those things kind of come together. But at the end of the day, what's going to make uh, you an effective lifter in terms of expressing a single is opportunity and time under the bar yeah. and a, a strength program and conditioning program that is facilitated and geared towards that. Uh, but also number two is for a single to be an effective training tool, right? Cause like training versus testing, because there is efficacy of using one RMs in terms of driving a training response. All those things still align, right? Yeah, like sure. your training has to facilitate the, the one RM efforts and those efforts have to be timed in a manner that would give you like a positive stress response to continue that adaptation. Like the example, I guess there is like, if you're just using singles for training and all your other training looks like high volume shit, like that single won't be an effective training tool because you're not going to be trained enough to handle the load, to drive the stress, to get the training response. So you're just wasting your time. Well, um, I remember when we were talking with Bill Kazmaier at Summer Strong, uh, we were talking about, I was, you know, just wanted to chew his ear a little bit about training. And like, he was like a five sets of 10 guy on, yeah. on all his bodybuilding stuff. And, and then you I don't know who Bill Kazmaier yeah, is, he, like, so, get on uh, YouTube. Like Google. he did like, you know, he was heavy tens. Like he did like, I mean, something crazy. It was like 585 for a set of 10 on the bench. <laughs> and uh, he, and I asked him about that. And I was like, you know, the majority of your training was this kind of like higher rep range, higher volume. And he's like, yeah, that's where we built the strength. But he goes, uh, you know, at some point we would have to start hitting some heavy singles to right. prepare. But he's like, but I never really tried, like I never handled the poundage in training that I did in the contest because my body was ready. And so there was like some technique work. I mean, like we were talking about with, uh, you remember our talk with Fred Hatfield, him talking about, you know, that he was able to move, like he had that torque meter right. where he moved 800 pounds as if it was like 1,200 pounds. And based off of those numbers and how fast he was moving that weight, he never had to put 1,200 pounds on the bark, but he knew he could do it. And then he goes and he, and he crushes his squat and right. you know, sets that record. So I think there's a really interesting thing. And even when I program, uh, you know, some of the power athlete stuff with singles, I'm like, hey, these just need to be fast singles. I don't want them to be grindy. I right. don't want them to be slow. Like I need them to be heavy, but I need them to be competent. And I need like a high level of connectivity and just expression of good movement. Like if they look like my fucking back is breaking, the knees are caving and I'm dog shitting a razor blade, like yeah. that wasn't the message. And more importantly, if that's the case, you're going too heavy because we need the replication of the movement and the patterning and all the other stuff. So any other final notes here, McQuilkin? No, I'll just end with the, the challenge technique, don't change technique. Film yourself, drop your film into the Train Heroic feed and get yep. feedback from our coaches. And we'll yeah. jump on in. Is feedback from coaches called coaching? It depends. Mm. How close to the movement is it provided? I wonder if we could uh, open something up where, you know, like for example, people could almost book online sessions where, you know, we could coach them in real time or they mm. could send us some stuff. I know Seems we do like some interesting idea. I know we do some remote coaching, but um, as we've been, you know, I mean, we have thousands of people doing these programs and we get loaded with uh, a ton of content. I get hit on social media, on Instagram. Uh, we People load it direct to the train heroic. And I almost feel like, if those were live, I could make the correction. Like I want to like yell at him and be like, man, I wish this was live so I could get you to make this correction because if you made this correction, I think you would do better. Like I was, we need a way to connect with them over video. Like zoom. 
Oh, they do have that, don't they? What about uh, yeah, audio? So, yeah. so they have it on the phone. So, like, you could like, let's say you are booked. Are you saying suggesting we need to indoctrinate these people? <laughs> no, but think about this, right? Like, like, what if somebody comes on and is like, "Hey, John, I want to buy a five pack with you to like help you coach some of my lifts." Like, we're going to work on the back squat. I'd be like, "Great, all right, uh, film me your back squat. Like, send it to me. Let me look at it, and then I want you to warm up, go through everything." You know, cue me in as soon as you get into your working sets, and uh, I'm going to sit there. I'm going to coach you through it, help you get to what you need, make some changes. Hey, that looked pretty good. Give you a little bit of encouragement, and then leave there with like, hey, based on what I saw, this is what I think you need for some of your special exercises, maybe some accessory. This is a way you can fix it. I want you to. Here's your homework. Two weeks from now, we're going to book another session, and we're going to do this again with another lift, or if you want to keep working on this lift. And I really think, like, based off of watching all of this video on Train Heroic, um, you know, on on you know the programs, like, if we could interject in real time, man, I think we could really solve a lot of problems. That sounds interesting, and especially in this COVID environment where people aren't going to be able to fly to Power Athlete or we're not out traveling. Um, you know, I think it really makes like, you know, Harry Heppenstall's in, you know, Manchester training and he cues us in is like, Hey, I'm having problems with this. I mean, it's so much easier than him sending me a video and then a week later trying to circle back and how was yeah, it and film go. it again, mm-hmm. man. Like, I really think that there's, um, there Real could be time intervention, man. What I, a wild, I, crazy dude, I know nobody's it. talking about it. Um, and we really haven't seen it. I mean, I guess we have a little bit with like the Peloton and like the well, mirror on, and all that's that. That's just like hot people doing exercise but, in front of you to motivate you so that's motivation which is important if we could it like but not entirely if if we could mobilize this power athlete block one nation of these hundreds of coaches that we've put our hands on work through and and even indoctrinated and then you know they're indoctrinated you know the cast of uh miscreants that i'm sitting here at the table with um you don't even know what a miscreant is um it sounds delightful yeah uh but (laughs) i'll take two the idea of taking somebody on a journey and helping them get to where they want, like the fact that we could hack through that a little bit and some of that and be like in real time, like, Hey, I mean, just like, um, you know, years ago, actually here in Austin, when I taught a seminar for CrossFit football, this dude showed up with his girl who showed up specifically because he couldn't squat without knee pain. And I was like his last hope within like two sets, we fixed his knee pain. And, and then it was hilarious. I saw him like five years later, like the CrossFit games or somewhere he sent an email and he's like, knee still don't hurt. He's like, I paid all these people, went and did all this stuff. And uh, he goes, showing up to cross a football seminar, fix my knees. Like, like to there be able go. to like have that situation where we could interject and like, you know, be a, um, you know, an agent of change at the right moment. Man, that seems like a fucking home run. I don't think people want it. I think they don't want that. But maybe I'm wrong, listeners. If you think this is a good idea, let us know. Text us, 929-464-4640 and say you want in. Because here's the problem, It's John, spontaneous magic, man. They I got mean, pain or they want gains. So, like, either way, we're their, we're their people. Well, I mean, uh, I think if you have injuries uh, and you're working through some stuff, I think we have an incredible group of, um, you, know, you know, practitioners we work with to help you get out of pain. I think if your goal is to get really strong and to be real proficient in the lifts, mm-hmm. I think something like that will be uh, another piece of evolution. Like um, as the amount of remote coaching I've done and consults, like it's always been this kind of video after the fact, this AAR after the fact where I'm trying to give them, hey, work on this next time, video it and send it to me. And I always thought like, man, I wish there was a median to be able to do this in real time. There is, and we, we, spoiler alert folks, we may have been experimenting with this and yeah, it's totally effective and it works and it's, it's the best thing you got. It's the next best thing you got, especially if you're in some remote area with a bunch of donkey coaches around you. 
So, ladies and gentlemen, but we are gauging. Don't trust your high school coaches. No, no, but like if a dude's training in his garage and is like, man, I, I, you know, I I don't have a mirror. My wife's uh, not really giving me any good cues other than like, don't die. Oh my god! Like something like this, man, would I think would be really, really amazing. So, if you're interested, want to be a little part of the pilot that we're going to be launching here shortly? Hit us up nine two nine four six four four six four zero. You got to text us. You got to text us and let us know. It's the only way to get in because we're only layering it out to our most loyal power athlete listeners. Mm, I am power athlete. And if you have a question and you're looking for answers, like our caller today, about what the heck's the deal with the 1RM stuff, give us a call and leave us a message. Or I guess you could text that same number, 929-464-0929-ing-ing. Zero. That's right. Because the hotline is open and we are... Bacon brownies, and we're ready to serve them. Mm, Knowledge that sounds brownies. awkward. That sounds weird. Uh, stick with the initiation talk. Yeah. We're, we're blindfolded. No, we want <laughs> to blindfold. You want to initiate? I, I just want to indoctrinate. No, wait. I thought. And Luke wants to make them brownies. Yeah, this we'll, is I'll weird. bake your brownies, baby. Banana bread's hot. Let's go. <laughs> oh, <laughs> we do have the recipe by Sam Flaherty. I know it's beautiful on powerathletehq.com. But awesome. la- ladies and gentlemen, thanks for listening. Until next time. Now it's time for you to empower your performance. Head to powerathletehq.com backslash training to choose from a number of programs to meet your specific performance goals. And if you like to break a mental sweat too, visit academy.powerathletehq.com and become a real stakeholder in you or your athlete's success. Until next time, bye!